Welcome in to another episode of The Own Show. I'm Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt. Tim, how are you doing today? Good. Back in person, which is, uh, it was fun whenever we get to do it in person. I was like, I couldn't, I can't tell you the last time we did this. It's probably been since last year for sure. At Easily, least, but, yeah. yeah. Easily. Um, I want to say like early last year. It may be just about a year to, to week one. I feel like we did like week four last year, maybe. Yeah, we did it, we did it for a while, and then we stopped making the drive, yeah. so... So if you hear any cars or anybody playing loud Kevin Gates music as as they drive by, that's already happened a couple times. So yeah, we do apologize for that. But I live on a pretty rambunctious street. Yeah, you live about what like a four minute walk from Aggie, K State. Yeah, from from the the K State, and I'm like four blocks away from Aggieville. So yeah, we live on a pretty pretty lively state. There's a lot of wet frat houses around here. So yeah, that's fair. You typically get a little little bit of the uh, wilder side of uh, college living. So it's it's either that or the AC unit just humming in the background the whole yeah. time. So we're we're taking our risk with the cho- with the cars. So um, where are we gonna start at today? Just hop right into our week one recap. Yeah, we're gonna jump right into the recap. Let's talk about Thursday night football here. Feels uh, good to be back. Buffalo versus the Rams. Uh, I would say I was a little disappointed in this game. To oh, hundred percent. I was like, "What a game to start the year!" And it just—it was a pretty solid first half. It was decent, and then just—it was fun in the second half just to watch Josh Allen absolutely just dismantle what was a world champion defense six months ago. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Buffalo is they proved. I mean, I want to see them win a close game because we didn't really get to see them do that last year. Yeah. Because they either blow they blow people out or they lose. Or like they, yeah, or they lose. It's it's one of the two things. So, I mean, Buffalo looks like they're not missing a beat. They said Brian Dayball. Like who is that guy? Like, did yeah, he ever on the staff? Kept rolling. Which I don't know. I think the Rams are feeling the the loss of Von Miller a little bit. The edge rush, I feel like they couldn't get to Josh Allen as well as they would have been able to if they would have kept him in town. Not that they could have afforded to keep him in town with what he signed in Buffalo. Um, there was a lot of stats that came from that game where I was like, what the hell? Like, Jalen Ramsey looked like terrible. God-awful doesn't even put it into words. Yeah. Like that's, That might be the worst game we've ever seen from a corner, let alone the top corner. He had a lot of perfect pass rating and coverage. Seven catches for like 160 yards and like two touchdowns in single coverage, which is unheard of. The only guys that that happens to are the guys that we don't care enough to keep that stat on. So, yeah, I mean, the thing with the Rams is we kind of knew this that, you know, whenever you have this kind of team as you get a year older, you know, things are going to catch up with you. I mean, Aaron Donald looked good. Um, Jalen Ramsey did not look good. Allen Robinson was just not available. Uh, not looked targeted. Like not targeted. I mean, not available. That's a bad word, but just, yeah. yeah he played like 90% of their snaps and had, I think, two targets, if yeah. that, maybe one. It was it was a pretty quiet night from him. So. Yeah. Um, Cam Akers didn't play at all. I think he played like six snaps, got three carries for zero yards. I, I think the biggest... The biggest miss for the Rams was uh, Andrew Whitworth. Like, that offensive line looked horrible. God-awful. 100%. Um, You'd think... I mean, that's always a position group that you can always get better at. Mm -hmm. Like, you can always have a better offensive line. I don't think any team has ever gotten to a point where, like, you know what? 
Well, we're good. We yeah. don't need to add anybody else. You know, like, like the '90s Cowboys were pretty solid. There. Yeah, you know, it's that's a once in a three generation thing. For sure, if we're gonna if we're gonna backdate there, well, especially now with like all how contracts have gotten bigger for offensive linemen, like that, and how many injuries happen on the O line now. Yeah. I feel like O linemen just didn't get hurt a ton, and more and more now, not only are we seeing guys offensive linemen get hurt. We're seeing like season-ending injuries, yeah, all across the offensive line, and the Rams aren't the only ones that are going to have to deal with that issue. I'm sure we're going to talk about it with the Cowboys coming down the line here in a little bit too. But the for the Rams, like I like the way McVay handled the post-game press conference. He was like, "I just I did not put us in uh, the right spot to succeed," yeah, which I think is because it, it, you can't sit here and blame it on the talent of the roster because they still have one of the most talented rosters in the entire league. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think the their defensive losses is really what kind of hurt them the most because not only did they lose to Von Miller, they lost Sebastian Joseph Day to the Chargers, which had, there's half the people that listen to that show that listen to this show that don't know who that is off the top of their head, but it's those rotational run piece guys that can come in, you know, a third, you know, half of your snaps and rotate in and out in the middle of that defensive line to stop the run, turn the offense one dimensional are extremely key. And when you lose two to three of those guys, it's going to hurt in the long run. The, the biggest thing that impressed me is we always talked about last year, like, man, if Buffalo just had a little bit of a running game, I feel like that would help them out significantly. Yeah. Josh Allen looks like he got to a point where he's like, listen, I'm just going to put this in my hands. I'm going to do it myself. I'm just going to become running game. I'm so. sick of waiting for a running back to decide that he wants to do it. I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. Um, After watching that, I think he might be a threat for MVP just because of, you know, if he runs like that all season, man, he's going to put up crazy, crazy numbers. Absolutely insane numbers. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, it just it went the Bills' way. I think they mm-hmm. they knew what they wanted to do. They executed their game plan perfectly. Now, how many weeks this year can you do that? Because, again, like you said, they either blow people out or they lose. Yeah. Now, granted, they blew 14 teams out and only lost three games or whatever you know the, the exact number was last year. How many times are you going to be able to do that this year? Um, but the, the offense looks pretty decent. They still have their weapons all together. They have their one guy. They have their two reliable twos. Their tight end solid. They're still waiting on the potential from James Cook, who also didn't look great. I think he had uh, two carries and two fumbles, and he got benched, or one carry and a fumble. One carry and one fumble, yeah. And he got benched the rest of the game, which is kind of just a rookie thing. You know, you, you got to – that's ball security's number one. I mean, everybody knows that. You can't lose the turnover battle and win a game most of the time. So, Buffalo looked good. The Rams didn't. But, again, it's – I'm not going to sit here and overreact to week one because a lot of people love to do that. Yeah, I feel bad for the Rams because it's like you lose. Not only did you lose Von Miller, but then Von Miller went ahead and uh, he was on the other sideline. Yeah, put it on the other sideline and had two sacks against you. So that that's never a great feeling when it's like, oh, that's that's what we're up against. So. I think the most terrifying stat for me from that game for Buffalo was they sacked Stafford seven times. Something I want to like say that. that's the number. They never sent five guys. They were yeah, they never four, blitzed the whole game. They were in a four-man rush was the max that they sent at Stafford. They got seven sacks, which also bodes absolutely horribly for the Rams' offensive line. 
Von Miller had two of those sacks, and he was on the field like 50% of the time. Yeah, they had seven sacks, which is a crazy, crazy yeah. night. He uh, Von Miller wasn't even on the field every down to get those. He was literally on the field for half their snaps and still got two of those sacks. Yeah, which is a good sign for, for them, because if they can play him half the time and him Keep still him have that big of an impact. And, exactly, and, yeah. yeah. I, the thing I'll say about Buffalo is this is two ways to kind of build your team out, right? Like, the Rams are extremely top-heavy, right? Superstar D tackle, superstar corner, superstar quarterback, two superstar linebacker. Yeah, yeah, superstar linebacker, right? A lot of a lot of big names. Where Buffalo does it more in depth, right? Like they had three guys play running back for them. Um, they had, I want to say, I mean, the amount of guys that caught passes is just like unreal, a crazy high number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys catch passes from for them. Um, which is, you know, the kind of night that, you know, that's like Tom Brady spreading the ball. And it's fairly even outside of Stephon Diggs, obviously, having eight. But, you know, um, Zach Moss, a running back, having six, six catches. Um, I thought I thought Buffalo did a lot of things well. Um, and I think that's what this team is going to be good at is, is deep. Doing have, it all. Yes, doing it all. Have a lot of rotations, you know. Jamison Crowder, who is a former Jets favorite of mine. Um, I feel like a really high-talented guy who could have a really, you know, could have a couple games where he catches ten balls. You I know think he's I mean? going to perfectly fill the role in the void left by Cole Beasley. Yeah, I think that's. I don't think you could plug and play that role any better than James Crowder landing there. To be honest, and Gabe Davis is still a good deep threat for him. So they have this balance of everything kind of working for him, mm-hmm. and you can't complain, you know, about about that setup right there. So not at all. Um, next game we got is Browns-Panthers. Uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this game because this game was extremely disappointing. Yeah, it hurt my feelings. Um, Baker Mayfield just just disappointed, man. Um, had every reason to come out and play like his ass was on fire um, and just didn't. I mean, nothing about that offense looked special. I mean, Chris McCaffrey... Looked mediocre at best. Um, he looked healthy at least. He looked healthy. <laughs> that's that's a plus still. DJ Moore looked unspecial. There was just a lot of things that just weren't weren't going their way. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing that killed them. I think they got turned one dimensional pretty early on by that Browns defense. They yeah. couldn't run the ball to save their lives. Like CMC had thirty three yards as their leading rusher. They had fifty four as a team. Yeah, pretty and rough. I, I think the Browns kind of turned them one dimensional early on. And it cost him. It cost Baker in the long run because he was just dropping back every play, and he's getting hit half the time. He took four sacks in that game. So I, I think the Browns went out and executed exactly what you want to do when you have Jacoby Brissett at quarterback is mm-hmm. just enough, and that's what they did. I mean, they ran the crap out of the ball. I mean, Graham Hunt, Nick Chubb were just were just pounding it, and and that's really what you want to see happen. Two hundred seventeen rushing yards is that's there's your disparity. Yeah, fifty four rushing yards for the Panthers, two seventeen on the other side for the Browns. Yeah, I mean the Browns. I mean are still going to struggle obviously without Deshaun Watson, um, but. This is going to be their formula to win: play great defense, run the hell out of the ball, mm-hmm. and then get you know sufficient passing out of it. So yeah. that's that's exactly what you want when you have Jacoby set. You want to take the ball out of his hands. Yes. Limit his ability to make mistakes. Mistakes. Yep. And nice. they kept him clean in the pocket too. They which did. Is also yeah. Huge. Baker Mayfield also four four fumbles. Like that's uh, I mean he recovered them all, but they were all on snaps. So. You you really don't like to see that, especially. I figured he'd come out and play play his butt off, and 
boy, that really was not the case for him. Yeah, I'm hoping he can can pick it up and turn it around. Or we're both going to look dumb come come back player of the year. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not feeling now. like a great pick now. Not but, at all. Um, next game, I would also argue, you know, somewhat disappointing. Um, Chiefs for different for, reasons. For different reasons, yeah. Chiefs versus Cardinals here. Um, Kansas City, man, if there was any doubt, man, I, and I was high on them, right? I, I have them as the number one seed still this year. I had them winning that division as a two seed. So, but if there was any doubt, like, oh, are they going to be able to do it without Tyreek? And, 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 and I, if, the, if there was any question left, that that has been fully answered right It there. feels good to be able to sit here and say, I told you so about that. Because yeah. I feel like we both have the right to sit here and say, I told you so. The thing that I'm not going to enjoy this year is that a majority, and if not the majority, maybe just some of the high names, counted, counted Casey out. And a lot of TikTokers counted Casey out. And now I get to just listen to Chiefs fans act like they were the underdogs all year, um, which I'm not looking forward to because Chiefs fans are annoying as is, let alone having to deal with that stigma. But anybody who really truly knows football knows that that team wasn't going to just fall apart right. from the lost time. Like, there was not going to be a collapse of an empire just because number 10 left the building. It's not what it was going to be. It never should have even been thought that that was going to happen. If you know football truly, you knew that that wasn't going to be the case. If Andy Reid's of sane mind and Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, this this team is going to have some form of success. So. The the baseline is still 10 wins, regardless of what's around them yeah. at that point. Like, it's just... And, and I, again, I feel bad for people, again, who are kind of also sick of Chiefs fans. Like, we have... I have coworkers tell me all the time how much they hate Patrick Mahomes just because how much they hear about him. Like, the bottom line is he's the best quarterback in football. And yeah. I get that you hear about him all the time and you feel like he's overhyped because you have to be around Chiefs fans all the time because we live in Kansas. The bottom line is he's the best quarterback in the game. And you're going to have to hear about him for the next 10 to 15 years. Yes. And if the Chiefs don't get another good quarterback in the building, we're going to have to hear about him for another 15 years after that because they'll be pulling the Cowboys treatment of holding on to the pass. So... Um, kind of on the flip side of the ball here, man, what a what a bad start for Arizona. I mean, Kansas City's defense is good, not special in any in any particular way, and and they struggled. Uh, they they just didn't turn it on until late in the fourth quarter. They really couldn't run the ball, couldn't really pass the ball. This was just a bad 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 game for them. Um, and, it, and it's concerning, too, because in their division, man, you want to look competitive at least and because you're going to need to win some, some tough games here. And Arizona just did not look ready for anything there. Not at all. I don't think there was any part of the game where Arizona looked like they were prepared for what was going to happen. Um, I think the loss of Chandler Jones is already being felt. They didn't put Patrick Mahomes on his back once. They couldn't get a single sack, which is, I mean... Patrick Mahomes, we just I just talked about how good he is. If you can't throw him off his... Even when he's off rhythm, he's still probably a top 10 guy in this league under pressure. If you can't put him under pressure, he's going to sit back and do whatever he wants to your defense all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. So, I mean, the, the Arizona defense also has a lot to patch up because... And I get, you know, I can't sit here and talk about how good he is and then turn around and say it's on the Cardinals defense for not shutting them down but like getting 44 put on your head on opening weekend is just not something that you really want at all uh, it's not good to look at no matter how good the other team is on the other side 
So Arizona's got a lot of things to clean up, and it's only going to get worse once Call of Duty comes out. So yeah. <laughs> All right. That's such a weird thing to say, and for it to somewhat be accurate. Be true, but. I'm curious. I mean, Arizona is traditionally a team that starts hot and then finishes weak and just not start. And we talked about that's just not how you want to play football. Football, and then to have them kind of start out this way, it's not a not a great start to the year. Yeah. Um, next game we got is Raiders versus Chargers here. Um, this was an interesting game. It was, it was definitely a closer game than we originally – than, I mean – I thought it was going to be a pretty close game, but it wasn't as high flying offense as you would have thought. Yeah, we were. I think we were expecting like thirty five twenty seven. Yeah, not such a low score as we nineteen to twenty four. Yeah, uh, I mean Justin Herbert, man, it, he's that guy. If there's like any doubt, if if he's a legit elite top end quarterback, this this is a game for him to go out and just show everybody like, hey, I'm I'm for real here. Yeah. Um, Really struggling, like not not a number one target for him at the moment. Like it's still kind of awkward of like, you know, Keenan Allen is kind of the guy. Mike Williams is kind of the guy. Nobody really pops off the page uh, in that receiving core, um, and they really could not run the ball that now, well. When, yeah, when you sit back and look at these stats, there's really not a reason that the Chargers should have won this game outside of the three picks that that Derek Carr threw. Carr threw, yeah. And I think that's one thing for the Chargers. The Chargers were not happy after this game. Yeah. Want to know or not, like, I guarantee you that that locker room was not happy with the way that that game went because they, I think the Chargers know that the only reason they won that game is because of the mistakes on the other side, not because of how they played. You can't, and that's not a, a sustainable way to succeed. It's like, well, if the other guy throws four picks, we might have a shot at it. Like, that's not, you can't bank on that every week unless you play Joe Burrow and the Bengals. But, yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say on the Chargers side still here is that defense is dangerous, man. We said, like, with the pieces they added and then the pieces they had came coming back, yep. I don't even think J.C. Jackson played in this game. I think he did. I think he was hurt for this game. Um, I mean, that defense was nasty. Um, Khalil Mack going out there getting three sacks. Joey Bosa going out and getting a sack and a half. Derwin James... Like, if there was any question who, like, one of the best utility safeties in the league is, Derwin James played such a variety of roles in this game. I don't, I think we've all known that. I think the only thing that's ever stopped Derwin James is just being on the field. It's just being healthy. I was like, I think we've forgotten it a little bit because he just hasn't played, he didn't play at all last year. Yeah. And then you kind of forget. And then you're like, you go out and you watch this game, and you're like, Oh, he's playing slot corner. Oh, now he's playing safety. Okay, nice now he's guarding box. the tight end. Yeah. Oh, now he's in the box. Okay, now he's blitzing on this play. You're like, <laughs> oh my god, this guy just does everything. Yeah, and I think he's in this really weird nebulous where, like, when on the field, there's a like, there's a legitimate argument to be had that he's the best safety in the game. Yeah, but it's also asinine to say that when he hasn't played, he's like, cool. he hasn't played half a season. Since his rookie, rookie year, year probably. Yeah. And that's been that was three years ago now. Yeah. So he's fallen into this weird Saquon Barkley CMC kind of thing where like you can't drop him all the way out of the list because we know how good he is, but yeah. you can't put him at the top because he hasn't been on the field enough. Yeah, I mean if he's healthy this year, man, I the pass rush looks legit. Yeah. They, they hit Derek Carr five times and actually they sacked Devontae Adams as well. On Somehow. His, on his one passing attempt he got sacked for a ten yard loss. Yeah. So 
The one thing I will say about Las Vegas, uh, Devontae Adams is as promised, right? Like, mm-hmm. he still looked very, very legit. 141 yards. And this is a team I predicted they were going to struggle early because transitioning into a Josh McDaniels offense is never typically easy for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that, you know, the reason that the Patriots keep their backup quarterback like Brian Hoyer for, you know, five, six years is because it's so hard to bring somebody in and have them learn it that quickly, right? So. Yeah. Um, I think as they get more comfortable in this offense, I think their car will improve, um, and I think that team will get a little bit better. Um, obviously, we know they moved some pieces around on the offensive line this year, so that that's definitely part of their struggle. Um, new head coach, defense obviously isn't isn't great, um, so they've they've got a little bit of work to do. They kept the game close and competitive. Um, yeah. And that that's really that's really all you can ask for at the beginning of the season for a team like this, who I think will kind of pick up steam as we go. Yeah, I think they've got some things to clean up, but also back to the Chargers again. The splash ad was there, right? Khalil Mack had his three sacks. J.C. Jackson didn't even play, but Derwin James is healthy again. The stars are there. They were able to kind of turn this offense one dimensional because mm-hmm. I think they were expecting a big game from Josh Jacobs and those three. Three rotational defensive tackles that they added in the offseason, Sebastian Joseph Davey, one of them from the Rams, allowed them to kind of just shut down the run, make Derek Carr beat him. And Derek Carr did on a certain thing. Like Devontae Adams had a huge game. Yeah. But when JC Jackson's healthy later on in the year, what is I mean, like, if this if JC Jackson's healthy in this game, what does this look like? If he's shadowing Devontae Adams the entire game, not that Devontae's gonna get completely shut out, but your your offense quickly goes from 19 points to, to 7. Here, here's the thing I'll say about J.C. Jackson. I, I love him. There's a reason that the Patriots don't frequently pay cornerbacks big contracts is because what makes cornerbacks like J.C. Jackson look so good in our system and, and Stephon Gilmore kind of is a victim to this too is Belichick likes to go one-on-one with their second option and then double up whatever their first option is. Mm-hmm. So, like, a J.C. Jackson is typically not going to be used to guarding, you know, a Keenan Allen. He's more likely going to get, you know, Mike Williams or, or a secondary target. Um, uh, like, you know, I don't know why any players on his own team. but He would single cover Gabe Davis the whole game while they doubled Stephon on the other St- side. St- Stephon on the other side is more of, like, what his assignment he's used to. So, in a game like, like this, like, J.C. would probably would have been on Hunter Renfro the entire game. Just shadowing him going one on one, and then you know it gives you an option of going doubling up on on Devontae if you wanted to. But I mean that man that doesn't always stop a guy like Devontae Adams. But nah, he's still the best receiver in the game. I don't think there's really a question. Yeah. If there was, it's been answered. I mean, it's if if you were sitting there thinking to yourself, man, he's only good because Aaron Rodgers, you're wrong, and it's yeah. been proven. Yeah, clearly he was he was definitely part of the uh, solution, not part of the problem in Green Bay. So hundred yeah, percent. But, yeah, I, I like this team to get a little bit better as the season goes on. They'll gel a little bit better. Um, you know, for the second season of uh, Brandon Staley, I think think they're off to a good start here. Uh, another disappointing game. I was really excited for Sunday Night Football, and then to watch this stinker was kind of sad. Um, Bucks versus Cowboys. Um, we'll talk about Dak's injury a little bit later, but regardless of uh, Dak or no Dak, Cowboys look – like a total bummer. Like this offensive line looks like it might be a big, big problem for them going forward. 
Yeah, it, it's only took about three, four years from then to go to a top five unit to a bottom five unit pretty quick by proxy of injuries, guys retiring, not reloading the talent soon enough, deciding you wanted to keep a 33-year-old Tyron Smith over Leo Collins. A lot of those have been self-inflicted or just things that are out of your control. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time ragging on Dallas because I think we will. It'll happen naturally. I already kind of mm-hmm. threw some jabs here and there. Tampa can't be happy with this game either. They didn't look. They didn't look sharp. I mean, mm-hmm. outside of Leonard Fournette having himself a big game, like they, they, they didn't look special particularly anywhere. Uh, I mean, Mike Evans is still a red zone threat. Like that's always the biggest thing. It's like it. Anytime you get down to the red zone, and you just have a big body guy like that. And I know people are like, oh, he's not a physical receiver. He's a big guy. He's soft. Yeah, he's soft. Okay. He's all that. And then it's like. Oh, and then you like go watch him make a play on Trayvon Diggs like that, and just like I'm like, oh, it's almost it, like he's six three still. Yeah, so like, even if you are soft and you're that big, you can still come out and make big physical plays. Yeah, like, you you may not be able to do it against every corner, but not every corner is going to be able to guard you. Guard you, right? Um, yeah, and they have two guys that can do that now. Like if Julio's on the field, I think he's still a threat to do that as well and be a red zone target. Yeah, you want to talk about a guy who had a good night for the Bucks? Julio Jones getting a little action. What do you have? Four catches, three catches, sixty nine yards. Yeah. Um, there was I saw a report actually, like after he had the he had a pretty solid game for what everyone was kind of expecting him to do, and apparently there were some Bucks reporters that said that like that he was actually the fastest player at their their training camp. Like they would get out and run team sprints and everything, and he was consistently the fastest and one of the more explosive guys they had, which is kind of alarming for the rest of your offense that uh, Julio Jones coming off an injury is the best guy out there. But it's it's good for Julio, obviously, at that yeah. point, too. He's still got some juice in the tank. Well, and I think it's a perfect spot for him where he's not going to be expected to be the guy. And, like, if they can get, like, you know, three, five catches out of him every game, that's perfect. Couldn't be a better – could – I don't think there's a single spot that would have worked better, to be yeah. honest. Um He's going to get kind of the A.J. Green rejuvenation that we saw in Arizona last year where he was the number one option, and not only the number one, the only option in an offense for the first 10 years of his career, and it ran him into the ground. Uh, A.J. Brown or AJ Green had a ton of injury issues at the end of his time in Cincinnati, got to Arizona, became a second, third, even a fourth option in some games, allowed him to stay healthy, and when they needed him, he was there. Julio didn't deal with the injury bug as much towards the end, but he had the big one, struggled in Tennessee, and is now going to be behind Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. In certain games, he'd probably be behind Russell Gage, yeah. depending on matchups. And so now those games that Godwin sits here early in the year, or if they deal with injuries later on, it's going to allow him to be available, and hopefully he can make those big plays. Well, and they're always going to have fresh legs. Like That's the one thing that like Tampa has done with this is like, you know, most of the time people use a staple of, of running backs. Mm-hmm. Tampa's just going to have the ability to use a staple of wide receivers, right? Like yeah. four or five guys. Like they're going to have fresh legs on the field. And, you know, most of the time when you see that, you know, maybe you throw out your fifth or sixth cornerback to like try to give your guy a rest or something like that. Problem is, is like their fourth or fifth best wide receiver is Julio Jones. It's Julio Jones and um, Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. So it's Who's- not. Yeah. Not terrible by any stretch. Yeah. So it's like not even like, you know, it's like some guy you've never heard of who went to BYU or something. Yeah. Like, they've got legit like five or six deep on this team. Yeah. Their receiver room is probably the deepest in the league because you have yeah. your you top two in, in Godwin and Evans. You have Jones. You have Russell Gage coming over from Atlanta who was the two target behind and actually was teammates with 
Julio his last year there. Yeah. And then behind them, you still have Scotty Miller who can be your deep threat. Like, if you need a guy to just come in and run four go routes, fresh, there's your fresh legs. He's probably one of the faster guys that they have. Yeah. And then Brashad Perriman is an unknown guy. Still burns me that Brashad Perriman was in Baltimore for three years. Couldn't stay healthy. Went to the Jets. Had a really good year. And now has landed in Tampa where, again... Any given Sunday, he could go out, and I wouldn't bet against Rashad Perriman having a game this year where he gets 100 receiving yards out of nowhere. And you're like, who is, where a majority of the NFL is going to be like, who is this guy? Like, right. where did he come from, and what lab is Tom Brady making these guys in? And that's just what the Bucks are going to do, but they've got a lot of stuff to clean up because with talent-wise, where the Cowboys were at, and then especially in the second half with how mentally demoralized they were from Dak going down, they should have been able to put up more than 19 points on this team. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is I think uh, <clears throat> I think later in the year, Brady missing a little bit of camp, like it might take them a little bit to kind of get in a rhythm. That's a Tom Brady staple. Yeah. Start start slow, finish hot. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to do. I mean, do. new head coach, I mean, I'm, I'm going to put that in quotations, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your defensive coordinator gets promoted to head coach. You don't lose your OC, so it's going to be the same defense and offense you ran last year. But yeah, just a new mouthpiece to do it. Yeah, and I mean that that Tampa defense. I know they held Dallas to three points, but that defense still at times I'm like, man, I don't know if they're special enough. Like, I think they're extremely talented, but I don't. The issue is that I feel like all of the talents in the front seven. Right. That yeah. Not none of it's on the back. I, I like uh, uh, what is it uh. Oh, he did the peace signs to Tyreek in the Super Bowl. Uh, Antoine Winfield. Antoine Winfield. I do like him at times. I think he, he shows flashes of being something. I think that's their entire secondary. It's like, man, that guy might have something, but yeah. we just haven't seen it yet. Um, right. Yeah. Let's go to our next game here. We got uh, Denver versus Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson's coming home game after you know being out, uh, not being a Seattle Seahawk for... First time in 10 years. Yeah, first time in 10 years. So, what a weird game. First, the fact that Seahawks fans were booing him. Mm-hmm. Undeserved. Kind of weird. I don't understand it. Um, I don't think they've had enough time to let it properly heal, to be fair to them. like I think Yeah, the NFL schedule makers knew what they were doing with this yeah, game. Yeah, like, they haven't had a full chance to, like, recover from him not being on their team. So Yeah, and, I mean, I guess they got the last laugh in the long run uh, with the win. Um, Geno Smith looked decent. Yeah. Um, I don't think the way that they won that game is going to be anywhere near sustainable. Again, I felt like a win that was made more on the backs of what um, what Denver couldn't do versus what you did, which is not a sustainable way of. Would you disagree with that? I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that. Okay. I mean, I, I I agree with you that I don't think this way of winning is going to be sustainable. Right? You're not going to get two forced fumbles inside the red zone again. Yeah. Right, like, that's not sustainable. But, like, I would argue that Seattle did actively more to try to win this game than Denver did. I would agree with that as well, yeah. Like, so it's not like... I just feel like they wouldn't be in that situation without the mistakes. Right. The mistakes got them in the situation to win, and then they did but the they, right things to, to finish the they job. They were unforced errors, right? Like, yeah. Like, Seattle went out and made plays, and um, who would have thought that uh, Shelby Harris... Is is the big piece in that trade? Right? Yeah, like, he had the biggest night out of anyone out of those out of the guys, everyone that was in that Russell Wilson trade. So, 
I mean, Russell looked good, not special, <laughs> is the way that I'm going to describe Russell Wilson. Like, yeah, that was. Uh, there was so much disappointment all around. I mean, yeah, the two fumbles in the red zone is not great, but even him throwing the ball, like how many times did he try to? How many attempts did he have? Forty. He was twenty-nine to forty-two. Yeah. For for three forty and one touchdown, no picks. Yeah, I mean that's just that's underwhelming. You know, what it I mean? is for, for for a guy that's been. And again, it feels good to be able to sit back and say, "I told you so," because I think we both had him finishing last in the division. Yeah. Um, I think I had him at six wins. You had him at seven it's, or eight. It's way too early to be saying I told you so. Like try, we're not trying not to overreact to week one, but that's fair. To but I certain, feel like everyone. But again, people like, were sleeping on on the Chiefs, and then people were too high on the Broncos. I yeah, think, so. I agree because we both had him at like six or seven wins, and we had the Chiefs winning the division. And yeah. then it felt like a lot of the big sportscasters had the Broncos winning the division, and the Chiefs finishing with eight wins and missing the playoffs. Yeah. And and again, you're right. It is too early to say I told you so, but. The hype, I don't know where the hype for Denver really came from. Yeah. I don't know if people were watching highlights of Russell Wilson from three years it, ago. It's a ta- it's a really talented roster, and it felt like, oh, we're a quarterback away. But it's like, I don't know if Russell Wilson is at a point in his career where he's going to elevate that offense to a next level. Like, mm-hmm. it's a talented roster, but not, I don't, like, it's You're not. You're relying on a lot of things to happen. Yeah. A lot of things have to fall your way. Jared Judy has to take a step up, you know. Corlin Sutton has to continue to be there and have to be healthy. You have to figure out what you're doing with your running back room. Your offensive line has to keep everybody upright. The thing that is that I – the reason why I had them finishing last in the division is Russell Wilson has struggled the last two years. And and I'm not not saying that I'd take Kirk Cousins over him or anything ridiculous – He's not a top five quarterback in the game anymore, like everyone thinks he is. And they have a new head coach. All right. You have a rookie head coach, and again, I think the the Aaron Rodgers coaching tree is burning another team. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a couple guys that have gotten head coaching jobs. Mike Holgram is one. No, well, Mike Holgram coached far, not Rodgers. Mike McCarthy is one that I feel like. I, I guess I don't. I've never thought Mike McCarthy was that good of a head coach. Right. I don't know if I'd call him like. I don't know if that's it's like, a Rogers Tree guy. But yeah. like, I feel like some guys get opportunities out of Green Bay, and it's because of what twelve does on the field, not because of what the coaching staff does. Yeah. And and Nathaniel Hackett, props to him. He owned his mistake afterwards. He said, looking back on it, we really probably should have went for it. I don't have an issue with the the field goal try. To be hundred percent honest with you, the Running the clock down thirty seconds and then calling a timeout. Yeah. Call the timeout and decide. At least you have the optive. Like, if you sit on it, then yeah, like the, you could line up for a field goal and call a second timeout if you wanted yeah. to. Just the clock management is what absolutely killed them in that in in that situation. I have a bigger issue with that than the decision to kick versus going for it on fourth and five. But both were dumb decisions, nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think you call the timeout early, give yourself a chance to decide. But I can't remember. I think it was Ryan Clark tweeted out, like, I'm not paying $260 million to have him sit on the sideline on 4th and 5. Like, you with have the game to, on the line. And, and I disagree with the kick. Like, I hate the kick, especially at that distance in Seattle. Like, yeah. in De- in Denver, I don't question it maybe quite as much. Did you know Seattle. that Brandon McManus is 0 for 8 on his last kicks over 62 yards? And that mm-hmm. was a 64-yarder. Yeah. Um, would have been the second longest field goal in NFL history behind Justin Tucker's last year. So, 
But Justin Tucker was in Mile High, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was in it was in Detroit. It was in a dome. Dome. If right. nothing else, there's absolutely no wind. And also, Justin Tucker is probably going to retire as the greatest kicker of all time. Right. Brandon McManus has had a couple decent years playing in Denver. If you're going to play in Denver, like you, there's not really like you have more things working for you than against you. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. So. None of the optics lined up for the kick to be the right shot. Like, right there, if Baltimore, like, if they're in Denver, you're like, okay. If you have Justin Tucker, you're like, okay. But just none of the optics, or like, you know, maybe McManus has never missed from 62. Like, just none of the optics lined up for the kick to be the right choice, but the clock management, I think, is still what bothers me the most about the situation. Yeah, no, it was not a great showing for, for a first time head coach. Um, no, no. Disappointing too in his homecoming, like to lose that game. Like that's not what you want to see. But for all you uh, Javante Williams uh, lovers out there, and Melvin Gordon got more touches and more playing time than yeah. than he did. And I mean, the two fumbles definitely does not help that situation. Was that Gordon that fumbled twice, or who was uh, it? Gordon fumbled once, and they then Williams. Fumbles? Yeah, they both had fumbles in the red zone, which is I mean, both inside the five too. I'm pretty sure. So that's just un- unfortunate in general, but. Um. Yeah. Overall, overall, pretty disappointing. Yeah. I. I think Melvin Gordon's a talented guy. Um. What I would do, and I don't understand why Denver hasn't done it yet, because you say that, but if I sit here and look at the numbers, Devontae Williams averaged six yards a carry, and I get it was only seven carries, but I think they have their one back. Find somebody to trade for Melvin Gordon and deal him, and just. You can run the two-back system, but I think you're giving your majority of the carries to the wrong Nobody's going to trade for Melvin Gordon. He's zero. Like, you're not even going to – if you get a seventh-rounder, that'd be a miracle. That's fair. Like, there's no there's, there's no value. value there. He was a free agent this year. Nobody signed him. That's fair. I think Denver's got to wake up and realize that – I think they legitimately have – like, I think if Javante Williams is getting the type of carries that some of the other top ten backs are getting, I feel like he could put up the numbers. Like, I feel like Javante Williams is could be a top 10 back in this league. Yeah. And it's not could because of he has to reach a next level. It's could because he has to get the goddamn carries to get there. And I don't – and it's never bad to have a two-back system. It's never good. It's never bad to have a reliable second option at running back. Javante Williams should not be the second option at this point in his career. And that's yeah. where the Williams managers are getting burnt. Not Disagree this, with you, but – What do you mean? Williams is one of those guys, and like you fall into this trap more than like more I, than I would. No, I would say not more than most. You fall into I just this fall trap into it. frequently. Okay, You're, I wouldn't say more than most because I feel like a lot of people do. It's, it's like every year we fall in love. Like, oh no, no, the upside of this guy, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. It's like, like he like last year when he was getting drafted like super high, and people were like really high on him. I was like, I want to see somebody go out and do it before I believe it. And I know, I know you can't always live that way, but it's like I'm not going to put value or stock in somebody until I go out and see them be special and a difference maker. And it's like every year we sit here and we go, okay, this, yeah, he'll be special this year. The thing with Williams, I think that sets it it's different than most is because I feel like it's been more because he hasn't gotten because he has a small sample size and a great amount like. He had led the league in broken tackles last year despite a small a smaller sample size. He had yeah. the greatest broken tackle percentage of most guys. Like he has 
the numbers, but they're all small sample sizes. So it's hard to like give up on the potential when we're not seeing it because he's not getting the touches versus he just hasn't lived up to the hype. Like yeah. Antonio Gibson is a guy that I was high on yeah. and just had the opportunity, didn't take it. Whereas Williams, I feel like we're high on because we've seen a lot of good stuff in the small sample size and he hasn't gotten the workload to really maximize it. So it, it's hard to let it go just because I haven't been proven wrong yet. Whereas right. if he if he went out and got 20 carries a game for eight games and just shit the bed, I'd be able to, to there, take that. There's a reason he's not getting those. Like we don't we're not there every day at practice. We don't yeah. see like all of that. But there's like clearly there's a reason that they keep using Melvin Gordon more or at a 50-50 role. Like he, well, Melvin Gordon's an extremely good back as first. Right. I feel like he's always been criminally underrated. Yeah. Kind of most of yeah. his career. Um, so I feel like that's a part of it, and that's what kind of sucks for both of them, because mm-hmm. I feel like they both should be ones, not a split backfield, not ones a reliable two. Like I feel like both of those guys are ones, and you put a reliable two behind them. Mm-hmm. So it's it sucks for both of them, but I just I feel like they haven't given Williams a chance to prove fully that he's the one. It's, Sample it's, size wise. It's so hard to say that because we look at someone, you know, it's so easy to like look at those stats and be like, oh, look at the broken tackles and all. Like, but like, if he truly was special, we would just, it would it would be over at this and it's, point. And it's probably something small. Like, I mean, we saw with Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. They're like, maybe this is why Cam Akers only got three touches. And it's the pocket collapsing and he leaks out instead of chipping right. a D tackle and letting Matthew Stafford get mashed. Small things like that matter so much, especially at such an expendable position, especially when you have a guy like Melvin Gordon as the other option. It could definitely cut into your carries. Yeah, I mean, but I just, he would he would take better advantage of the opportunities he had if he was genuinely, like, that special and that good. You know what I mean? Like, That's fair. Yeah. It would be, because he, for me, falls into that, you know, Rashard Penny... Chris Carson kind of like argument of like, well they always split carries, but Penny, watch out for Penny, man. This this is gonna be the year he finally breaks out as the one running back in Seattle, and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll see it when I believe. Seattle, it. yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I hate that comparison, but it's just because I feel like that's Seattle with everybody, mm-hmm. like because they just spread the ball around so much, and we already saw the Russell Wilson spreading the ball around. They had. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys catch. Yeah. Catch up. Or no, no, no. Ten guys get targeted. Seven of them caught a pass um, yeah. in that game. But my f- another cool thing to see here and look at the box score of this game was so, Noah Fant, solid tight end. We like him a lot. Wait yeah. for the extra step to be kind of a top seven guy. Um, the two top receivers in this game for Seattle were Colby Parkinson and Will Disley. Yeah. Who are both tight ends, <laughs> and I guarantee you, I was we were sitting there at an inventory in KC. The game's on, and I see Seattle score, and I'm like, oh, I wonder who caught that. And I see like the <laughs> this, you know, the the new way that they're presenting the touchdown. It's like touchdown Seattle, and then it scrolls the name, yeah. and it's like Colby Parkinson, and I'm like, who, who? Yeah, <laughs> who is this guy? Right. <laughs> but yeah, I just I I mean. You want to sit here and be able to like, yeah, Seattle's going to rely on their tight ends, draft them in fantasy, but like, which one? <laughs> yeah. Who knows at this point? You want to dive into our injuries from yeah. week one? Um, some unfortunate stuff? So let's talk about the TJ Watt injury here a little bit. Um, 
it, it's kind of unclear of what it's going to look like. There, there's some thoughts that he might be back faster than originally thought, right? Like, yeah. initially after the game, it seemed like he might be out a lot. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's interesting to to kind of keep your eye on. It's sad to see this kid constantly get hurt because he is so special. But he's so freaking talented, dude. He's definitely definitely out for next week's game, but there's looks like there might be talk that he could be in question for the next couple of games. Hopefully they don't rush him back. Um, I don't really think there's a reason to. I don't understand. Um, yeah, I just... Where what is what is the difference that TJ Watt's gonna make at this point? Mm-hmm. Like, is, does TJ Watt take you from seven wins to twelve? Not really, but even seven to ten. Like, he's still still a special player. Oh but, yeah, yeah, he's probably the second best defensive player in football. But you can't you can't put like a plus minus that heavy on a defensive play. Yeah, like, it's just it, not it possible. doesn't add. But I would not. There's no reason to rush him back. Like I'm sitting him at least four weeks. Yeah. Oh, you're just saying the state of the state. Yeah. Just more. there's. Yeah. yeah it's, it's what. Because again, even being the second best defensive player in football, the plus minus isn't going to be more than a game, game or, two. or two. Yeah. So, and it's not like this team is competing to win a Super Bowl. Let him rehab. I know he wants to be on the field, but hopefully Mike Tomlin is like, listen, but I would rather have you for the next eight years. Yeah. Then, then next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think, and they'll, they'll be smart. Like, I mean, JJ, his older brother, struggled with injuries at the end of his career. Unfortunately, TJ's caught the bug, like you know, a little bit earlier in his career. Yeah. Um, just hope he gets back and healthy because football's a lot more entertaining when he's out there terrorizing quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say I want him back on the football field because Baltimore still has to play Pittsburgh twice a year, but I'm not celebrating the injury by any stretch either. Um, next injury we got it is Dak's That's injury. The big, one. the big one here. I don't know if I'd call it a big one. I mean, I think one Jared Jones like saying what he said right after a game is incredibly irresponsible and stupid. What did uh, he say? Uh, he was like, uh, "Dak's definitely going to need surgery. He's going to be out." Like he just started giving a timeline right away. Um, let me pull it up here. Yeah, look, if I'm gonna, if you're going to make me quote it, I want to quote it correctly. Yeah, I. It's never really good for. <laughs> honestly, anytime Jerry Jones has a microphone in front of his face, it's not great at this point. Um, just uh, doesn't make a lot of solid headlines for your team or your rock or for anything really. Yeah, he said. It's not. They're not going to put him on IR. Well, that's today. That would have come out this morning. So I'm trying to find what he said last night, but. Yeah, I mean, it's looking like four weeks is probably going to be the prognosis for for Dak there. Um, and, boy, is, is that kind of a bummer. But we're not going to get too deep into that. I, I feel bad for him because the injury is related to the offensive line being kind of bad and just being under constant pressure and being rushed. So you hope he, you hope he comes back good, but they didn't look good with him, so I don't know how much pressure there's actually on him to come back. Also... Dallas fans booing and throwing trash at him as he was on his way to the yeah, locker Yeah, what is wrong with people? Well, I just, I don't understand. Like He's the only reason your franchise is like somewhat relevant right above, now. Above water, yeah. to be 100% honest. And 
you could uh, the te- the team is is talented, right? We've talked about this week in week out, year in year out, how talented this team is, offensively and defensively. Cooper Rush is the next guy on the depth chart, and I don't care what he's done. I know I think he got a sneak win last year. I think that I think you're right. Yeah. Foster is going absolutely nowhere without Dak Prescott. You could say that you're paying him too much money. You could say that. He, you know, you don't like him. You don't feel like he's a top-ten quarterback. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott, with their current quarterback situation without training for anyone, is a four-win football team. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, it's just the way it is. So, why? It's just... I don't understand why Dallas fans hate... I feel like Dallas fans hate their players more than other fan bases do. It doesn't like... Yeah, for sure. It's just, it is such a weird thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel bad for Dak. I truly do. Um, that's that's that. But we'll talk about, we're about to talk about the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, it's a perfect little transition in here to, we're going to do pump the brakes here. Um, adding a couple, we're going to add maybe a couple segments this year. Uh, bring back some old ones from last year. Um, you know, try to keep the show fresh, and, and, and but keep the classics. You know, you don't want to yeah. lose your hits. You know, we're we're on a good pace here. We're about halfway through here. Um, still got a large chunk of the show to go over here, but, you know, that's that's the way it kind of goes. Mm-hmm. Um, first one I got for you is the Cowboy season is over. Um, I'm not going to pump the brakes here. I, I, I fully believe that it is. Even if Dak Prescott... Um, Comes back in four weeks' time. Yeah, and what's can, the best case scenario? They're one and four at that point. Yeah, and even if he's a hundred percent healthy, there's no linger, which is very, very. It's very unlikely that he'll be back in four weeks with no lingering pain or any issue with his. It's his throwing hand as well. Mm-hmm. So like, it's it's going to drastically affect what they're able to do this year. Pack it in. I feel bad for Cowboys fans because like it was going to be a long season regardless. Because it's it's gonna I be feel, a close division. There's I a feel lot like of every teams. I feel like every Cowboys season is a long season for their fans yeah. of like oh my god when are they gonna disappoint me? Well, they do it to themselves to a certain. Degree. This one is gonna be long because their team is just gonna stink. At this point, you're kind of just hoping that they can get a top five draft pick and get somebody in the building that's gonna make a change. Um, but I feel like a lot of this, um, what they. What happened with Dak and the offensive line issues were self-inflicted. Um, I understand how talented Tyron Smith is. When he's on a football field, he's a top ten, top five left tackle in the game, probably. Um, the bottom line is he's 33 and he hasn't played a full season in almost three years now. You had Leo Collins, who's 25, 26, 27, probably a top ten right tackle in the league. Probably would still be a top 15 and hopefully being younger could grow into a top 10 left tackle if you were to slide him over and you decided to keep Tyron Smith you made Leo Collins a cap casualty went out and signed a 5 year deal with the Bengals 2 weeks later now Tyron Smith's hurt you drafted a 3rd round graded tackle in the 1st round in Tyler Smith he looked awful Jerry I don't know if you know this lightning doesn't strike the same place twice just because Travis Frederick was the 3rd round rated offensive lineman, and he turned into a pro bowler and one of the best, if not the best, center in the league, doesn't mean that every third-round graded lineman that you take in the first round is also going to do so. Yeah. Um, so there's there's just been things that have compounded into this, and 
It doesn't matter if they trade for Jimmy G, if Dak comes back healthy, they get Tyler Huntley or whoever. I don't, I don't think they'll trade for Jimmy G. There's no real sense in them trading for Jimmy G, and there's no real sense in the 49ers trading Jimmy G to, to the Dallas Cowboys. So that, that's the the rumor was they they're obviously with Jimmy, and their name has been also linked with Cam Newton, which I think is even worse. Um, I think Cam's a better option than Cooper Rush, but I think the problem with, anybody's a better option than Cooper Rush. I think the problem with Jimmy is is the 49ers aren't going to let him go for anything worse than a second rounder. Yeah, second or third probably. Well, definitely. Well, they probably a second because if he leaves in the off season, they'll get a, a compensatory third. Ah. Depending on his money that he signs for and all that, but it's like looking like you know what I mean. Like he'll go out depending on the deal he goes out and signs, it'll probably be a third. So they probably won't move him for anything less than less than that third. Than a second. Well, there's no point yeah. moving him for a third because you can keep him all season and still get the third at the end of the year. So it's got to be more of an incentive to try to move him now. You know. Yeah. So, um, I, I doubt they go out and get Jimmy. I doubt they even go out and get Cam Newton. I think they might just ride the season. Season out and kind of, kind of phone it in. Um, I think that's the smart decision at this point. But I think, and a, another reason I feel bad for Cowboys fans is that they've had to deal with Jerry Jones this entire time, and I think Jerry Jones is his negative effects on this franchise are going to be felt at least five years after he's gone, because Jerry wants to win. But, more importantly, Jerry wants to win his way. Yeah. There's a reason that every single time he pops up on your screen for the first time during a game, it says Cowboys owner, president, and general manager. Mm-hmm. He is the end-all, be-all of everything that happens in that building. He wants to win, and he wants to win his way. He wants to get the the quest for six, or, you know, that, that chase for that Super Bowl that they haven't gotten since the 90s off his back. He doesn't want somebody else to do it. Especially not five years afterwards. I think he would rather have the Cowboys suck for the first five to ten years after he's gone and then find success. He doesn't want to like hand the reins over and then win a Super Bowl two years later because everyone will double down on the fact that it's his fault that they haven't won in 20 years. Yeah, I mean, when when you've been an owner like he has and have won as many Super Bowls as he has, you kind of you get that luxury of kind of doing what you want at the end of your career. Yeah. It doesn't make it good, right? Like, Al I Davis think, at the end of the Raiders was was pretty bad. Like there there's some signs of like owners that are that in in power and that much control. But like, I mean, it's his team. He can do whatever he wants. That's it's, true. Like there's not a damn thing any of us could do about it. Even yeah. if we had any, there's not a damn thing 31 other owners could probably do about it at this point. Yeah. Um, but I just it, it sucks for Cowboys fans because I think he's trying to make a lot of these win now moves and they just don't have the foundation to be making win now moves. They don't have the offensive line to make win-now moves at this point. So. Yeah. All right. Next one I got for you is Michael Thomas for Comeback Player of the Year. It seems like a solid possibility. He had a two-touchdown weekend to open up the season. Um, dude dude kind of was a monster. I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't sure what that chemistry between him and, him and Jameis. Jameis would look like because they really didn't play much together, but five catches, 57 yards. Two touchdowns? I don't. I mean, that's a heck of a weekend right there. He's going to be a reliable red zone threat. I'm going to pump the brakes on him winning comeback player of the year because I don't think it'll be him winning the award. It'll be more of the rest of the field kind of falling off, which mm-hmm. as of right now is kind of happening. 
Yeah, yeah it's not, not hot. So far. I, again, you don't want to overreact to week one, but from the numbers we've had, Baker Mayfield had a bad week, CMC had a bad week, Derrick Henry had a bad week, Joe Burrow had a bad week. Well, not that he'd be up for it, but yeah, who's the fourth guy that we were talking about for that award? Was there a fourth? Mm, there was someone that was on that list that I we liked. Know. I don't remember off the top of my head. Nobody really had a good week that we were talking about yeah. for that award. Those top three guys mainly being the ones, but... It's definitely a possibility, but again, I'm not going to rely on that happening for another 17 weeks. I agree. I think he just that offense looked different, so I think I think he could play an interesting role in there going forward. Um, the Giants could be better than we thought. So I want to pump the brakes because it feels ridiculous to say that, but also I think I only had him at like two or. I was like, yeah, better than we thought could be four wins. Yeah. So it's it's more than likely that's true. They're already a fourth of the way there. Um, I think we both had him at like two wins. So they're basically like a third of the way there at this point. Yeah, I I think I had him. And they play the Commanders twice. So I mean, (laughs) there's your three right there. I don't know. You say the Commanders, but I they look decent. We'll talk about them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I would have pumped the brakes. They looked ready to play with Brian Dayball. Like they yeah. they looked fired up. Like I kind of thought Detroit was going to look. Very, I mean, Detroit did look very similar. But like the reason I thought Detroit was going to win was because of how pumped they were going to be. Like the Giants looked ready to play for Brian Dayball. Yeah, where it is such a a complete one eighty from running a quarterback draw within. A quarterback sneak inside your own five yard line on third down last year to what this team looked like today. Absolutely worlds apart. I mean, Saquon looked good. Daniel Jones didn't look terrible. But it was the Tennessee Titans without their best pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, we we weren't super high on Tennessee, but like at the end of the day, like we were higher on them than than the, then Giants. the Giants, for sure. Um, I figured this would be, you know, maybe one of the easy wins for Tennessee. So for them to lose that game was a little disappointing. But I think my two biggest takeaways are both of the running backs. Um, Saquon had an absolute monster game. Yeah, big um, game. Flashes of his rookie year. He played a healthy week of football. That's yeah. really all I care about. Um, and on the flip side, the Giants' run defense wasn't terrible. Like holding Derrick Henry to. To four yards of carry on 20 carries isn't a terrible day. No. Especially with keeping him out of the end zone as well. Like, you'll live with that every day of the week. Um, so, I I don't think you can be mad at all. I think the only thing the Giants are going to try to work on is doing it in the first three quarters and not waiting as late into the game. But a win's a win. Yeah. So, I would... Daniel I, Jones looks serviceable is the way I describe him. Yeah. I, I want to pump the brakes because I don't want to overreact to a win over the Tennessee Titans. But also... Being completely true to like could be better than we thought. They hundred percent look better than. Dang, we thought I didn't think you pumped the brakes that one just because I was like that two wins. It's not a hard mark to beat. Yeah, I know. That's why I thought I thought we'd sneak that one through on you. Next one I got for you is the Commanders could be a sneaky pick pick to come out and win the NFC East now. I I don't, I don't know if you got to watch that game or not. Who did they even play? Who was they, that? They played Jacksonville. Jacksonville, yeah. Carson um, Wentz looked good. Like that's the biggest thing I'll come out and make an argument for is I think Carson Wentz looked better than I thought he was going to look. To be were the two picks you. not his fault? No, I mean they were definitely Carson Wentz, Wentz two throws. picks, but like 
it looked like old ones where you're like, okay, you're going to make some mistakes, but you're going to be special the it rest of the like time. It looked like a mix between the two. Yeah, where it's like, okay, I can live... Like, the thing that killed him in Indy last year is he'd have games where, you know, he'd throw for 200 yards, have zero touchdowns, and two picks. Mm-hmm. Where at least in this game, I think he threw for three bills, four, four bills. Four. And then he threw, yeah, four touchdowns, and then... 313 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Yeah, like, those are numbers, like, okay, if you're going to go out and throw two picks, I can live with that number, but... You have the the ups, like, that's the only thing, is that MVP went through a lot of four touchdowns, no picks, one picks games. Yeah. Since then, he's thrown a lot, thrown a lot of zero touchdown, one touchdown, two, three pick games. Yeah. So, but we got the mix here. We have both. So... I, I would bet more on him continuing the trend we've seen the last two or three years. But I think he's probably the best weapons he's had probably in his entire career Yeah. at this point. Um, with Gary Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, and Curtis Samuel. But I don't know. I want to pump the brakes just... <sighs> Am I? Pump the... I don't think pump... I, like, I, I was... This was one that was tough for how me. Did you, let me see how you worded it. So you said... I think I think I said Carson once they could be a contender or sneaky pick. Commanders for, might be ready to win the East. I'm not going to yeah. pump the brakes with how you said it, because if you would have said favorites, I would have said no. Because the Eagles are one and zero, but I get it was the Lions and we were high on the Lions and we expected them to come out and play well. Well, yeah. A 38-35 scrape over the Lions is not how you want to start your season. I was, I'm okay with I'm more okay with that than I think a lot of people were. Like and again, again, we were higher on the lines than most people, so I'm okay with it. But again, for you to be supposed to be like locking down your division, being a, hopefully a top two, top three seed, like yeah. you expected more than a three point scrape against the lines. I think. I okay. so I'm gonna I'm not gonna pump the brakes just because of how you worded it, but I wouldn't say like the Eagles are in trouble by any stretch. No, I don't think so. But I, it's I, not as good as I wanted them to. Okay, look. now you, now. I didn't want to get into this, but we're gonna. I'm gonna defend the Eagles. Here. Okay. I think I I in my mind I thought the Lions were gonna go out and win that game because I feel like you know coming playing for a coach like Dan Campbell, yeah. like coming out of training camp is kind of gonna be your peak, right? Like you know you're gonna be all rah rah and gonna be ready to go. So I think the fact that the Eagles won that game is a win. I think the fact that the Eagles it won is, a they cl- survived to come back. They survived to come back. They won a close game. And they had a high-scoring offense, right? Yeah. Last year, there were so many games where we were like, man, this Eagle offense has moments where it looks great, but they're just not consistent. I mean, if the Eagles... I mean, the Lions defense isn't special by any means, right? Like, it's okay. I feel like I've said that a lot tonight. That isn't special. But Lions defense is okay. But 38, 38 points is pretty solid. Yeah, the Eagles had four rushing touchdowns, all four by different players. Jalen yeah. Hurts didn't have a passing touchdown at all. Yeah. Um... They're they're a solid run offense. Um, this, this is the kind of dominating offense that like you wanted to see in order to like for them to take that next step. And, and that, AJ, that's all you could ask for. AJ Brown looked every bit of worth the price tag. Oh God, well. yeah. No first round wide receiver looked as good as AJ. Like AJ Brown just had himself a day. I was so happy watching. And that. it works. And it, it just fits the storyline of what the Eagles have struggled with. They're like, yeah. man, we cannot draft a receiver. We failed on Artega Whiteside when yeah. DK Metcalf was on the board. We failed on Rager with Justin Jefferson on the board. Yeah. And I love that Howard Roseman had the wherewithal to look in the mirror and be like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. No, Just fucking give him the pick. Give me A.J. Brown. We're good. There, there's so many wide receivers that could have kind of, you know, moved up to get or whatever. He was just like, he's like, we're done. 
He's like, just give me a big time name. Yeah. Like, I'm not paying Jalen Hurts anything. You know, just every move that this team's made. That defense was slightly disappointing for me. Um, that, yeah. that was my biggest takeaway from that game. But I think this win... DeAndre Swift carved them up. Yeah, he did. DeAndre, but I think DeAndre Swift is... I think he's, again, one of those players we always talk about as upside. I think this might be the year that he actually shows through. Because last year he was good. I think this year he might be great. I, I believed in him last year, and... I wouldn't even say he, he still had like a top five fantasy season last year. I think for a running back. Oh, did he? Which of I, course doesn't equate anything to real football. Football, at all. but, but um, still not bad. Yeah, he had 15 carries and he averaged 10 yards a carry. So I think another huge thing, again, that bodes well again for the off season that the Eagles had, is when the when Jordan Davis was off the field, the Lions averaged 10 yards a carry. When Jordan Davis was on the field, they averaged two and a half. Wow, that's which, crazy. Which again, the sample size has got to be kind of thrown off there, yeah. but it's a, it's a stat nonetheless. Um, so yeah, that. But we're both of these questions about the Eagles slash Lions slash Commanders going to answer next week because the Lions and the Commanders play each other. Play each other. So yeah, here we go. We're going to figure out something. One of these questions is going to get answered. Um, for my next one, the Cardinals could be in real trouble. Like, and by that I mean. We could talk, be talking about them missing the playoff. Kiff, Kiff, Cliff Kingsbury loses his job. Um, I, I think this team is, is in some hot water. And I think we we were both kind of – we were both high and low on this team at the same time. We were high with realistic expectations, and we were low with a little pessimism mixed in. Yeah. Um, I can't pump the brakes because this is what we kind of assumed from the start, that they were one bad scandal, incident, fight at camp, deleting team off to, you know, whatever it is. Like, we're one bad thing of kind of taking a turn for the worse. Um, and they just, it's, it's not how you wanted to look on opening weekend, and they have the Raiders next week. Yeah, and then they play the Rams. So they have a. I mean, their division's tough, and they have tough out of division games as well. Like, yes, yeah, you want to talk about drawing, You want to talk about drawing the short end of the stick? They play the NFC and the AFC West this year. That's going to combine for they're in the the NFC West. Yeah, they? so that's oh, going to okay. be twelve of their games will be played against those two divisions this year. Yeah, that's that's brutal. Or no, not twelve, ten. Ten of those games will be against that division this year. Oh, you only play two teams from. No, so they'll, they'll have their six, oh, games, six games, ten, and then yeah, the yeah. four. Yeah, I was like, yeah, dude, is... you did perfect math. Four times two. It's like, no, they can't play themselves two yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. They wish they could. They're like, we need those wins. So. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> They'll be the two games they tied. They <laughs> they just came out flat, and, and yeah. normally they're a team that starts the other way, and that's that, to me, scared me quite a bit. It scared me, but I also have maybe maybe they figured out that if they start so they can finish hot and maybe that fixes their <laughs> issue. But they they started out way too slow. I'm like, just I'm just imagining Cliff Kingsbury coming into a meeting and goes, guys, what yes. if we lose the first game? What if we purposely throw <laughs> the first three and then get hot? And then get hot. Like, what, what what are our thoughts here? We don't look at any film for guys one through weeks one through three. Yeah. We only Chiefs, what? Raiders, Rams we're not going to watch any film. Yeah. We're just going to take it and move on. If we sneak a win, fine. But, yeah. I don't know. But I, I I, don't like the prospects. I didn't like the prospects of him keeping his job to start the year. I'm not a huge Cliff Kingsbury guy. And I also feel like the Cardinals 
have I, Kyler Murray and they have pieces and they're going to want to win now. And if Cliff Kingsbury can't get it done, especially with the amount of talented coordinators that were left on the market after last year, yeah. I think they might look at a shakeup. I, the thing I the thing that I struggle with is I look at this like this is a team that you could very easily overreact after one week. Like they could come back and be fine, but and I feel like you could flip it if they yeah. won forty four twenty one in Arrowhead. You could easily overreact right, the, other the other way. way yeah. yeah. The thing that to me was I had doubts coming into it, and this game kind of like verified some of those doubts for me. That was the only thing um, yeah. that that was troubling for me. So, what's what's next here? Uh, yeah, I don't got any more pump the brakes. Um, we're gonna move on to a betting section. Did you did you put any money on any games last week? I haven't yet. Week two, I'm starting up. Um, oh, week two, you're starting up. Okay, yeah. I was gonna I was about to say if you did. Um, this is going to be our new one. We're going to do... I, I hate locks of the week because I hate that. I think calling something a lock when you're gambling... There it, are no locks. There are no locks. It's incredibly stupid. The Giants are 1-0, and somehow the AFC South has zero wins despite a matchup inside the division. There yeah. are no locks in football. So the thing that I'm going to say here is, one, we're going to hold ourselves accountable for this, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we're betting on. This isn't um, advice is the biggest thing I'm going to say here. Not like, gambling advice. Not gambling advice, right? Like, I know people always say that as, like, a joke or whatever. This is genuinely just, like, picks that we like and that, that we're going to bet on. I kind of threw this in, and again, I didn't bet. I haven't bet anything on mm-hmm. week two yet. So, take mine with a grain of salt for this first week, and I'll, I'll truly be on it next week. Yeah, so... We're going to hold... There's going to be accountability to this of we're going to talk about... I'll throw money on my first three that I have here. We're, we're going to keep a, a counter throughout the season of what we each go okay. on each bet. So, you know, if... Uh, you know, we're going to look and see, like, what our records are at the end of the year with That's each bet. That's going to be fun. That's um, be fun. So the reason I was saying that, because if you had any bets last year, I was going to have you get them ready. Um, so I've got mine. I did have mine pulled up, I'm sure. It's These apps sleep. love to just log you out right yeah. away. So right, you're like, oh, here's... Oh, wait, hold on. Give me 10 yep. seconds. So I'm going to get logged back in, but we are going to read. Um, if you are struggling with a gambling addiction, please contact the Gambling Hotline at 800-522-4700. Professionals available 24 hours a day to take your call. Help is available at no cost to the problem gambler and their concerned others. So if you guys are ever struggling on that, you know... Uh, Feel free to reach out. Never bet more than you can lose, right? That's the biggest thing I'll say is this is throwaway money. I uh, I treat it as if I uh, I've lost it all already. So kind of kind of talking about you know holding myself accountable here. I took the Broncos minus six and a half. That one definitely was a big fat Yikes. zero. Yikes. I also took the Jacksonville Jaguars money line. That one also did not bet out. Um, those were both ten dollar bets here. I used a $50 free bet on the Lions plus three and a half. That did hit, luckily. That's true, it did. So that was a big, that was a nice win for me. Um, I had a two-leg parlay with the Panthers-Broncos after the Panthers didn't hit. I went and put money on the Broncos after the fact. I thought both revenge games were going to hit. I don't know why it was so stupid of me. I don't, the second one wasn't a stupid pick. I, that was just, that one went south. Yeah, I thought that was going to go completely different. The other one that I've got here was I did the under for the Patriots Dolphin game at forty six and a half. I did my hundred dollar free bet, and that one also hit. So okay. that was a good bet. So on on my you know legit bets there, I would argue you know not not a great day, but you know I I hit what, two on two two huh two and two 
Two and two. Two and two. It's They're not, bad. not including my parlay, which most of the time, you know. Yeah, I, parlays. Parlays are not a sustainable way of gambling. Yeah, at any of my, I, I won't ever do a parlay in this, and I won't talk about parlays in my. Because you're, you're betting a parlay just for the fun of it. Parlays like, are entertainment bets. Yeah, they're not. They're just to keep you interested in the game longer. Yeah, 100%. Um, do you want me to go first with my first pick, or do you want to go first? Yeah, go for it. I got you. You go. Okay. I've got the Bucks and Saints going 44.5 over. Um, What's the thought process here? I know it's interesting, right? I, know. I, think, I think you're absolutely insane. I know, and it might be crazy. <laughs> I, that's just me. That's just... Like the how those games have played out and what part of the year we're in. Yeah. But I want to see like what you thought. So first. I think that forty four and a half number is too low. So okay. basically, you're asking, all you're asking for is a twenty three twenty two game, which is definitely possible. Which is possible. I think Tom Brady has another week. He gets a little bit better that offense. You know what I mean? You're asking the Patriots or the not the Patriots. Whoa, whoa, went five years back yeah, in time there. A little back in time there, but you're asking the Bucks offense to basically do what they did last week, and then the Saints offense to do the same thing. Yeah. Now the thought I have is, is I like the way the Saints offense looked. I didn't love the way the Bucks defense looked in that game. Okay. They were doing a good job against the run. I'll tell you right now, New Orleans wants to hurl the ball yeah, they all don't, over the field. Who cares? Who cares? Because uh, they could not give the ball to Alvin Kamara a single time on the ground, and he'll still have 100 yards. Yeah, like, <laughs> they they he, uh, they have zero interest in, in necessarily, like, wanting to run the ball first. So, I think Tampa Bay, and we talked about it, I think Tampa Bay's weak point is their secondary, right? I like the wide receiver depth the Saints have, so I think... I think this is a game where if Tampa Bay wants to win, they're going to have to put up points. Like okay. they're not going to get away with a seventeen-point win. So when I first read this, I think I thought you're absolutely fucking nuts. But the way that you talked about it and what you brought up, I I have now changed my mind to like I just wouldn't touch this. Yeah. Because it feels too close to call. Because at first I was like, you're an idiot. I'm hammering the under. Yeah. But like now that you mention it and like how low that line is, like. It's definitely a possibility, but I feel like it's going to either hit or miss by like two points. It's going to be. This is not. It's going to be a close. That's a sweat one. This right isn't one of the ones that I'm seeing there, and I'm like, oh yeah, this this is. Gonna I'll be put fifty on it. Yeah, this this is going to be over by like a mile. Like this is gonna if it's going to hit, it's going to hit by like. I think the I what I ultimately think the game ends up being is like twenty six twenty six or like you know what I mean. Either it's going to fly ten points over, or yeah, it's going to miss. It's going to miss two. by a lot, and I think I think there's a good chance. Typically, Tom Brady struggles against the Saints, but he uh, has. Yeah. There's a reason that this line is this high, though. That's the thing I'll say mm. is I typically look for things. You remember I, what the odds were on that? Uh, I don't. I can pull it up, but um, I try to look for things that are. You know that I would sit here and argue that are out of the ordinary, right? Like things that I go, man, that really that line doesn't make sense to me. Um, right now, it's minus one ten for the over. It's it's equal. It's minus one ten for the over and under. So, put five on both. <laughs> yeah, put, put five on That's both. That's how sports betting works. <laughs> um, so for me, I I just look at it and I'm like, yeah. There's a reason that number is at where it's at, and I think, and I think Jameis also has a little. There's a little bit of resentment still there, slightly. So I would agree. Yeah, maybe not as much now that uh, Bruce Arians isn't there, but yeah. still a tad bit. Still there. You want my first pick of the yep. week here? 
Uh, Seattle versus San Francisco. I'm going under 42.5. Now, that's an even lower total than than your your uh, Saints-Bucks one, which makes me feel a little less confident in this pick. But the, the 49ers offense did not look great. And as much as the Seattle Seahawks did win that game, their offense was not special by any stretch either. I think they put up what I think... The, the Niners put up 20 points, and the Seahawks put up 17. 17, points. yeah. So, unless Trey Lance goes out and pops for a massive game against Seattle's defense, I don't see the, I don't see them, and I think that um, San Francisco's defense is going to play yeah. extremely well against Seattle. I When I saw that you put this one on, this was one of the ones that I thought about, but I just was like, man, I'm that just... That line is dangerously low. On on a second glance, I'm not as comfortable with 42 and a half. If this was if it was at like that 44, 45 number, I would think more about the yeah, under for sure. The thing that scares me is the like Seattle really didn't get DK Metcalf going. They really didn't get Tyler Lockett going in that That's game. True. Yeah, I just their top two receivers were Kobe Parkinson and Will Disley. Yeah, like you were talking about that earlier, and I'm like. If they get the right pieces involved, that offense, like even with Geno Smith, if Geno Smith is exactly what he was last week, but you get you get the hand in your playmakers. Yeah, but the ball goes five yards to DK Metcalf and let him work instead of Will Disley. Yeah, there, there's a lot of danger to that. And the other <coughs> thing is, like, I know everyone's ragging on San Francisco. It was a rain game. It's a weird scenario. It's like one of those. No, it was a, it was a puddle game. It was a puddle game. So, like. I don't know if it's a good indication of what, like, how good, like, I feel bad for Trey Lance that, like, this is his spotlight game, and then you have to play in those conditions. Like, you have to play in those conditions against a guy that was drafted after you, that yeah. people thought should have been drafted before you. It was it was all the wrong looks that you wanted for you. But your the first difference start. is, is he got to play last year. You didn't get to play last year, so this is kind of your first. You're learning on the fly here. Yeah, and Justin Fields has already been burned more as well because. He had to play with Matt Nagy. Yeah, so I I think this is this is one of those ones that I was like, man, that under is tempting, but it's like it almost feels it's, like a bait. It's a trap. It's it a feels trap. like a trap. Now yeah. that I've said it, it feels like a trap. I will go throw some money on these three games when I set my account finally this week. Yeah, but I'm not gonna not gonna be super confident about that one. The next one I'm gonna go with is I'm taking the Giants minus two and a half versus the Browns. I might be falling in love here, but they looked good. Um, and if they've only got to beat them by a field goal, I kind of like their odds there. Um, the one thing, like the reason that I kind of like them here is I like their odds of shutting down the Browns' running game, and that's what kept them alive. And I'm not so sure that's going to happen. So about the Jets, not the Giants. That's the only part about that game. The Browns play the Jets and the Giants play the Panthers this week. Whoa, that's what I was looking for. Then hang on, I'm taking okay. that back. I want the, I still want the Giants, but I, okay. it's against the Panthers. There. Well, that's funny because that's what my next pick is about that game as well. Yeah. So. So, oh, that's funny. You're, you're. We're flipping. No, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the, One of us is gonna be gonna get a win this week. That's for sure. Because who did the Panthers play last week? They played the Browns. The Browns. Yeah. Right. Okay. So part of the point here that I was going for is the Panthers couldn't get anything going. Jeez. I, now this bet makes more sense. Now that I've, I was like, man, this is a weird one. Why did I take this? And now it's making more sense. Yeah. So 
Panthers couldn't do one thing against the Browns, who stopped the run. What do the Giants have? A really healthy Saquon Barkley, who just had a great week last week. Yeah. So now you're put telling me the Giants get to go, you know, another situation where they're going to be able to run the ball first in a really healthy manner against a team that struggled last week offensively. I, I mean, I overall, I just love this. I love Giants minus two and a half. And again, and I'll argue four years before I tell you my horrible <laughs> pick too here. You can tell that I did this kind of last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, what did the Panthers not do well last week? Run the ball. Run the ball. Yeah. What did the Giants do last week? Stop Derrick Henry. Yeah, stop Derrick Henry. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, I have the Panthers' money line because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like I'm going to just overreact to the Giants' success and just, I don't think it could be super sustained. Uh, now, betting against the Giants, sustaining success against a team that hasn't had any yet, probably not the best bet in the world. Probably but not the best, yeah. Here we are. I did this last second, and I'm going to get burned for it. But I will put the money down and make sure that uh, I get burned for it financially as well. <laughs> so this next one, again, it's related game here. I have the Seahawks plus 9.5 against the 49ers. Um, okay. The fact that that line is 9.5... Is I understand these rosters are very two different levels. Nine and a half is an insane line. After yeah, after the it's not like the the Niners went out and hung forty four last week. Yeah, like they struggled. Yeah, so like I don't necessarily like love Seattle or hate San Francisco. I just love nine and a half points like that. It's it, a large spread. It's a huge spread. It feels like it would be almost impossible for the 49ers. Because that's in a, you're talking in a division a, game in a division game, in your talk. So you're talking two. You're talking they have to be up by ten points. So that's two scores. Like I just don't know if I think the 49ers with Trey Lance are two scores better than after watching the way Seahawks play. I think they are, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, on paper they are, but and I, I like the Seahawks defense. Win football games. So like I think that's I part of the reason why I like the the Seahawks nine and a half is I like their defense. So. Um. I'm going to take kind of what's, I think, honestly, kind of a more riskier pick here. But I have uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers going over 54 and a half. Mm-hmm. It's a high line. It is. The Chiefs hit it last week, which I saw their line last week against the Cardinals, and I was like, there's no way I'd bet that. That's way too high. And I think it was around 50 to 55. And the Chiefs damn near did it by themselves. Yeah. Um, so you're hoping that the Chargers can match that shootout potential. I think that's what's going to take to get this done. Because um, the Chiefs, it's just it's not reliable to, to just bet on the Chiefs to put up 44 each week. Um, so you're hoping that the Chargers can just finish drives and get into the end zone a little bit better than they did last week. So, thing I'll say, I thought about this number, right? I was like, man, that's tempting. Like, that feels doable, right? Here's the thing I don't like about it. It's Thursday night football. Oh, God. So both these teams Fuck. are coming off of short weeks. I didn't see that at all. In under time to prepare. That's the only reason that I was like, it very well still could hit, but I'm not going to touch it just because it is Thursday night football. I think it's either going to smack or it's going to be well under because yeah. either they're going to be underprepared and it's going to be just who's going to let make less mistakes or they're going to be underprepared and it's going to be who's going to just win the shootout yeah. and it's going to smack at that point. But. Yeah, I mean, on paper it's a great one because it should be a shootout, but on Thursday Night Football kind of brings some questions. Into yeah, it, so. you never know. Talk about a great Thursday Night Football game, but we will preview that game. Yeah. Um, I have the Rams-Falcon under 47.5. Um, I was blown away when I saw that line. 
again, this line almost feels like a trap because that is insanely high for how bad the Rams play. And the Falcons played... Played good. They played good. Both teams played against expectations, though. Yes. And the Falcons played well. So they should come back down. The Rams played down. They should come back back up. up. And I think that's why I think this line is kind of like... You know, I could see this one being a 17-23 type of game where the Rams, you know, run the crap out of it with Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers and, yeah, and, and kind of go. Cup scores a touchdown in the last, <laughs> last minute of the game. The biggest thing I'll say you'll notice with my betting patterns is I like over-unders more than I like trying to figure out points. Spreads. Yeah, I almost never bet money lines because, you know, no risk it, no biscuit on those, but I, I just don't. I, I like, uh, most of the time I like over-unders a little bit better, so. That's fair enough. I would... I feel like they're a little bit easier to predict because you're betting with both teams, not are you, against one or the other. Before you read your next bet, are you going to actually put money on it? I might. Just like, because like, I think the odds were at 2800 <laughs> So I may like throw $2 on it to win like 60 Okay. But uh, are the Jags and the Colts tying? The Colts are going to start the year 0-0-2. Zero, zero, um, That'd be crazy. That'd be not going to happen. That would be the bet of the century. Um, but it was more just of a joke than anything. But I'll, you know, I'll throw myself in the hole to start the year. Who cares? There's a fifty-fifty shot I got over for here. I'll respect the two-dollar bet on that. Like, how do you, how do you deny that? Right? Yeah. Like, just it's one of those. It's like it's like betting a parlay. It's like, what if? <laughs> yeah. You have nothing. To, you have nothing to fear there. Yeah. Hundred percent. Those are four for the week. Uh, you know, not every week are we going to put out four. You know, some weeks it might be three. It just is going to depend on, on what's out there and what we like. Um, let us know if you like our bets or not. You know, again, there's going to be accountability. You know, some shows like to talk about their bets and then not never talk about them again. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, part of the reason why I bet the Broncos, uh, I decided on Monday because I saw Book It with Trent put out a TikTok where he said Seahawks money line. And I was like, well... Now I have to go put money on the Broncos because Broncos are going to win. He was right for once, but... He tried to fade the fade god. He tried to fade the fade god. Didn't work. Correct, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of if you're going to do this kind of stuff, be responsible. So, you know, if we're four weeks in and I'm 0-16, you're going to be like, well, I'm probably going to bet against whatever he says. Yeah. So, we may least, just need to hang the segment up if we're if one of us is 0-16. If we're 0-16, we have to keep it going just for entertainment. <laughs> just to... And then once we get the first win, we can duck it. Because <laughs> if, if someone's going 0-16, we might be making our fans a lot of money because they might be going, I'm just betting against them. I'm just going to fade 0 in every single week. Yeah. There's a solid chance that I do that at this point. So, all right, we're we're in decent time here. Uh, we got some, some fun games to preview, but we'll, we'll knock them out pretty quick here. Um, Chargers versus KC, Thursday Night Football, which uh, is news to you that that is going to be on Thursday Night yeah. Football. Yeah, well, I just looked at that, and again, we talked about it last week. We previewed. I'm like, man, what a great Thursday night football game. That won't last. Two for two. Two for two. This is this is a great one. I'm, I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised. Uh, Chargers won a close one, but kind of under offense underperformed. KC won in a blowout offense. I would almost argue over overperformed. Yeah, it's anytime you. I think anytime you put up 45, 44 points, it's you're going to be overperformed. Yeah, because it's not sustainable to do. So I'm kind of curious to see how these teams, you know, do the Chargers rise to the challenge? What does Patrick Mahomes look like against a real pass rush, too, will I think be the other question there. Um, yeah. 
a lot of a lot of things that I really like in this game. It's a division game. Division games always matter. Like they're super super important. Um, I think it's going to be either a way for the Chiefs to say, "Hey, we are really back," or for the Chargers to say, "Hey, we're we're a legit team this year." So. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think it takes a genius to sit here. You don't have to know a lot about football to be like, man, this is going to be a good game. Yeah. Like, it's it's yeah. pretty easy to see why this is a Thursday night game, um, why this division is going to be so close, and I think it's going to be an early benchmark. Not looking forward to how much people are going to overreact to it, especially yeah. if, I mean, Either Casey win or, win or lose, yeah. If Casey wins, we're going to have to deal with them on a day-to-day basis at work of everyone overhyping them. If they lose, we're going to have to hear about Nick, you know, everybody but Nick Wright in the national media being like, I told you this team's going to fall apart. So, not looking forward to the storylines are going to sprout from this game on the low or high end, but it should be a hell of a game nonetheless. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, Next, I got Saints versus Bucks. Um, I mean, the Saints have a little bit of movement behind them. This is either going to be a kind of game where they build on that movement or it completely gets shut down and Tom Brady goes, listen, this is going to be my division going forward. There's no doubt you guys are playing for a wild card spot. So, um, I like that from the standpoint. I think there's a good chance that Jameis can have another big game. Like, I think... I'm not a Jameis Williams... Or Davis Winston, Davis. thank you. I was like, man, I said Williams, and I knew that was wrong right away. I'm not a huge fan of him, but, like, he is one of those guys that when he goes out and plays explosive football, like, you, you have to kind of love him to a certain degree where you're just like, man has no fear. Just throws whatever he wants. No, he's just such a goofball. I think that's the biggest thing. He just, he's going to go out and just kind of do what he does. Yeah. Jameis, where was the pain? Everywhere. 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 He's got to work through it. What a weird answer to a question. You know what this is? Eating a W. I mean a W. Yeah. Yeah. He is a a quote machine. He's an odd guy. Um, I do like the way this offense is set up. Like, I, I don't know why we slept on it, I feel like, but... Because it's all reliant upon the most valued position in sports. Yeah, it's, it comes on his shoulders, right? But, like, if you wanted, you know, somebody who likes to sling the rock around, like, you could not have given this guy more yeah. options. He has a reliable deep threat. He has a big body target in the red zone. Yeah. He has a somewhat decent tight end. He still has Jarvis Landry to mix in there. And he has probably the second best receiving back in the game. Yeah. One of, you know, one of the best, for sure. And Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara has consistently been in the top five running back, top ten running back conversation his entire career. He's never actually ran for a thousand yards in a single season. I didn't know that. Yeah. Never been a thousand yard rusher before. And never has he been outside of the top ten category. And it's because he puts up he just puts up eight hundred and eight hundred instead. Hmm. So Which I'll take every day over a thousand yards. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um yeah, it's it's starting to become a thing of when is Tom Brady going to beat the Bucks, or when is Tom Brady going to beat the Saints? Saints as yeah. he's four and five in his career against the Saints, actually, which is surprisingly low. He has not beaten the Saints as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's zero and four in his first two seasons. Interesting. Um, and then some have been ugly games. His passer rating against the Saints since getting to Tampa Bay in in succession: 78, 40, 112, 57. 
Yeah. Like they've been some ugly games along the way. So it, this is just it's going to be a matchup to see if they can if he can finally beat the Saints as a member. Not that he cares. I think he would take these two losses every single year and oh, go to the NFC title game and not give two shits about it. Yeah, he probably works. He doesn't lose a lot of sleep over. No, it. I don't think he loses a lot of sleep over it. But it's just fun to sit here and be like. For some reason, the Saints just that Saints defense just has this number. Yeah. I don't know what it is. There's no real numbers of why it's happening. They just do. Um, and I don't think Saints fans, like, they probably care a decent bit just because they're not the ones that are probably going to be in the NFC title game at the end right. of the year. But it gives them something to care about. It's a nice consolation prize for them considering they probably won't go anywhere super distant in the long run. But... This game is always going to be good just because at this point we're trying to see if Tom Brady's going to be able to beat him. Yeah, no, it's it's I, I like this game. I think it's going to be a good good one to watch. Um, next one we got I think is is entertaining for more reasons than probably people realize. Ravens versus Dolphins here. Um, yeah, I would come out and say the Ravens drastically underperformed. Um, I, I was somewhat really I was disappointed honestly against that Jet team how, how bad they played um, I was I was I was overall disappointed I was but I feel like I was okay with kind of where it mattered the receivers played decent Devin Duvernay had two touchdowns Rashad Bateman had a long touchdown mm-hmm. Mark Andrews looked the same as he did last year there were things that I was still... I was happy with some of the things that I was worried about, and I was unhappy with a lot of the things that I felt pretty confident about. Yeah. So I was 50-50 on the game overall. I, don't I would know say if, this is a great... Like, Lamar passed the ball really well against the Jets. But yeah. That's the same one time, thing it's, it's, it's against good. the Jets. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that's that worries me the most... Not the most... I feel like Kyle Hamilton's just been doing tackling Joseph Marlon Humphrey all year, all offseason, which is bad because Marlon, I don't think I've ever seen a guy get dragged on tackle attempts more than Marlon Humphrey did last year. Mm-hmm. Because the year before, he forced nine fumbles. So he got into this really bad habit of only caring about punching the ball out. And guess what happens if you don't punch the ball out? You get dragged for 10 yards, and you look like an absolutely horrible tackler. It's different missing open field tackle, get broken. Letting a guy drag you yeah, like two or three times uh, a game yeah. is just not a great look. And he, I think he only had two forced fumbles last year. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Hamilton's tackling did not look good in week one. Um, and as much as I was like okay with the receivers, they didn't blow me away by any stretch. Yeah. Um, and the Dolphins looked solid in week one. So they looked. I they looked disappointing. I would argue too. I watched. This is the game I watched obviously the most of as a Patriots fan. Yeah. Dolphins versus Patriots. In. I knew the Patriots were going to be a mess out the gate. Just yeah, you know, it was just that's your expectations for the season. Yeah, that's kind of I knew it wasn't going to be pretty, but the Dolphins showed signs of being good. But at the same time, was Mac Jones under pressure a lot? Yeah, he worst was. Worst group. Worst group. Yeah, Jawan James tore his Achilles. Ronnie Stanley didn't play last week. Baltimore has one starting tackle left at this point. Yeah, it was it was not good. Um, so I I. The thing, like, but the Dolphins, there were so many plays where you're like, wow, that could have been special. And then it was like, two just threw it to like. There's the one that went viral on Twitter yeah. where Tyreek busted an out route towards the sideline, was open by like 10 or 15 yards, and the ball fell 10 yards short. And you're like, come on now. We yeah. Got there, there, was <laughs> a, there was a couple times where, like, I just looked and I was like, who's Tua throwing the ball to? Like, where, who was that pass intended for? Yeah. Um, 
So two teams with something to prove, both two teams that are like, you know, have question marks for me. Um, so I'm curious to kind of see how each one rises to this challenge. I think it's going to be unique for both of them. And a small, unrelated, and it doesn't matter storyline because it won't happen. Um, but there hasn't been a ton of rumors about Lamar getting dealt, but the one team that has popped up the most, if he were to leave Baltimore, has been Miami. Um, Interesting. He the 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 couple the he hasn't played a lot of games like social media wise with this contract dispute. The one time he did, it was him liking himself, liking a picture of himself in the Dolphins uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit here or there. The last four times these teams have matched up, Miami actually won last year, twenty two ten. I think that was after Lamar went down. That was in November. Yeah. This against Tyler Huntley. The three times before that. Um, Baltimore won 59-10, 40 to nothing, and 38-6. So, uh, granted, the Dolphins are a lot more talented, and Baltimore still kind of banged up. J.K. Dobbins didn't play week one. Ronnie Stanley didn't play week one. Gus yeah. Edwards didn't play week one. So, there's a chance for the Dolphins to go out and kind of make a statement, I think, against the Ravens team that's really still not at 100% yet. Yeah, I mean, Dolphins starting out the year 2-0, I think... Uh, is huge for them. I think that that's going to be big. If so. they want to even have a remote chance at the division, they've got to win every single football game they can. they got to win the close ones, and this is going to be a close one. This is going to be a close one for sure. Yeah, as much as I don't want to say that, but it is. Next game I got here is uh, Cardinals-Raiders. Um, yeah. The- this one is, I would argue, is very important for either team because one of these two teams is going to start out the year 0-2. And that's not good for either one. Especially um, in the, the tough divisions that they play in. Yeah. So, and there's going to be a lot of division champion tiebreaker things that are going to be decided because these divisions play each other. Yeah. Um, so one of these teams getting a win here and then beating whoever leads the division twice could be huge to them winning the division in the long run, or at least being a five seed instead of the nine seed. This is one of those ones that I look at too, and it's like, what's going to get first? Yeah, what's yeah? Who who's who falls apart more? Um, I just worried that the Cardinals are not ready for that Raiders pass rush. You know, didn't look insane the first game, but it's definitely better than the Chiefs pass rush. So that is slightly concerning, and they did yeah. nothing against. And the on Chiefs. the flip side. Derek Carr didn't play well because he got sacked five times, whereas the Cardinals didn't put Patrick Mahomes on his back once. So, yeah, what can Derek Carr do with a clean pocket? And how much, I mean, how many yards does Devontae Adams get in this game? Because yeah. I love Patrick Peterson. He's not the best number one corner in the game at He's this point. He's old now. He's got to yeah. be, what, 34? Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would bet almost older, but that feels old at the same time. Yeah. He was super underrated. I've always been a super big Pat Pete guy because even when he left Minnesota, or no, he's not in Arizona. He's in Minnesota. Why are we talking about? Oh, okay, that's how I was kind of like, yeah. like, man, he's still there. Whoopsie Daisy. Um, I don't even know who their number one corner is off the top of my head. No, I don't either. No uh, idea. Probably Byron Murphy Jr. If I had to guess, but again, not not a favorable matchup for that secondary against Devonte Adams. Puts a run from Darren Waller. So yeah. I think if the Cardinals want a shot at this game, they've got to get after the quarterback. And um, J.J. Watt can't do it by himself at this point. I don't think he's hurt. I don't think he is. Is he hurt? J.J. J. J. Watt's hurt. Oh, they're screwed. I, I don't think, know. I don't think he played week one. I don't know who's going to get after the quarterback for them at this point because... Pretty pretty confident. They're, uh... I don't know who they're going to have at this point to get after the, to get after the quarterback. 
Oh gosh, darn it. Now we're both looking this up, sorry. Yeah, we're both, and I, of course, clicked on the wrong page like six times just now. Depth chart, who's pass rush? J.J. Watt is questionable currently for this week. Yeah. And, um... Did he play week one? I'm not sure. Let's see. He tore his labrum, his bicep, and his rotator cup. Jesus. Along with dislocating his shoulder. No, the last game he played was against the Rams in the playoffs last year. That's what I thought. I didn't think he played week one. But So, yeah, he's questionable to play, and the next best name in that pass rush right now is Marcus Golden. Perfect. So, yeah. Not not going to bode well for them. Yeah, it's good. Their, their linebacking core isn't super great either. So, they're going to rely heavily on that secondary, but Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller will get open if you don't put Derek Carr under pressure. Under pressure, yeah. Next game we got is Vikings and Eagles on Monday night. Also our last game to preview here. What's Sunday night football this week? It is Bears-Packers. And mm. I don't think I've been less excited for a Sunday night football game because I don't think it... I mean, I you could argue that it would be a good game, but one of two things is going to happen. Either the Packers win in a blowout like they normally do against the Bears, right? And then the Packers are all fixed, or... The it's a close game and we're disappointed by both teams either way. So. Yeah, um, I would agree. Two solid other primetime games though with Thursday yeah. and Monday night. Um, this is a doubleheader on Monday night, so mm. we have two Monday night games. So this is this is the second of the two. Um, I definitely the better of the two too. I mean, this is two teams that are vying for division titles. Yeah. Especially with how slow the Packers started. They We had them both winning that division, but the Vikings were a game back as the five seed, yeah. I think, for both of our brackets. This is two teams that started out hot, too. So it's going to be, you know, who may, who stays hot and then who kind of breaks their streak, you know, in week two. Um, I mean, this is this is one of those matchups. I mean, Jalen Rager, it's a, it's a comeback rivalry game for him, you know. That's the only storyline I care about. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you're looking for a waiver wire pickup on your fantasy team, it's Jalen Rager for it's you. The revenge tour. Um, Who's gonna have a bigger game, Justin Jefferson or AJ Brown? AJ Brown. You know, there, there's a lot of questions of, you know, there's a lot of weapons, a lot of offense here. Ultimately, I'm leaning towards the Vikings slightly, just because I like their odds of being able to stop the their rush of the Eagles better than the Eagles' ability to stop the pass from the Vikings. So yeah, it's. Both teams have talented pass rushes. I think the Eagles have a better secondary, but I think the Vikings have a better offense. So, yeah. But again, the Eagles don't have to go through the air to score points. They move the ball extremely well on the ground. So without having Michael Pierce in the middle of that defense, it may it may hurt them. I think their edge rush, obviously, is a lot better with Zedaria Smith, chosen that former Raven over the other. But yeah. the Eagles run the ball well. So it's this it's going to be a great game, I think. I agree. I think no matter what, it's a great game. But that's it. That's all I got. What a way to cap off week one um, with uh, just a great slate of games coming up for week two. We'll have to see our bets start to pan out. We'll count our records here from now on. I can almost guarantee that I will go on four to start the year. But it's fine. It's like taking the twenty-one zero challenge in Madden. Mm-hmm. Just giving your other guy. Four free points, then I'm going to storm back. And storm take, back and win. Take over at the end of the year. But, yeah, it's a good episode. I'm excited, man. I love football. I'm excited. I don't know if you guys can tell. We, we enjoy this. Quite yeah, a bit. no. Um, <laughs> if 
you got any feedback for us, any thoughts, questions you want to be on the show, we're still doing fan questions. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at, uh, what is yours, Owens? Underscore Burke. Burke. Yep, okay. and then Pissform takes for me. I thought that was right, but my brain was like, are you sure that's right? Don't yeah. don't say his wrong Twitter name. Yeah. Underscore B-E-R-K. Um, so, or text me. I mean, if you got my phone number, text me. I'm not... I'm not big timing people yet. You know, mm-hmm. you still have time to get on the ground level. So yeah, our DMs are open. So uh, hit us up. Yeah. Other than that, man, we'll see you guys for week three. Get some some more talks about bets and get another section of pump the brakes in as well. So that's gonna do it for week two. We'll see you guys next week. And till then, stay safe, stay healthy. We're out.